The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1, 5.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Breaking news. Fireworks now is the New York Times reporting that the Trump administration is dropping an effort to add citizenship question to the 2020 census. Big win for the business community. We will break down the policy implications, the political implications, what it means for the president's immigration fight as this story, which just The headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal literally within the last several minutes. This again, breaking news with the Trump administration dropping an effort to add the citizenship question to the 2020 census. We have an all-star panel to help break that down. Republican strategist Terry Kim, Democratic strategist Dave Brown, plus Senator Kamala Harris. The polls are out. She's climbed to number two. Good or bad news for Biden? We will also dive into that. Before we get into a jam-packed hour, let's first, breaking news crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak, literally filing at just eight, seven minutes ago, the Federal Appeals Court in New York uh, said that there is going to be a subpoena of the bank records regarding President Trump's, uh, uh, President Trump's tax returns. There's also breaking news tonight that the U.S. is planning to drop the fight to add the census citizenship questions according to the state of New York. According to Eric Larson and Greg Storrs reporting on the Bloomberg terminal, the Trump administration is abandoning its hard-fought plan to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census after the U.S. Supreme Court questioned its justification. Here to break down the policy, the politics, Sari Kim, Republican strategist, Democratic strategist, Dave Brown. Sari, I'll start with you. The president made the case that this question was needed to ask on the census whether or not an individual is a U.S. citizen in order to, to find out how many folks are here illegally. Why drop it? I mean, he's conceding that he wasn't going to win. It's not that he's conceding he wasn't going to win. It's an important question, but the census is comprised of hundreds of questions. And also the census census is used as an indices for numerous numbers, such as unemployment, Medicare, Medicaid, so on and so forth. And so the most critical element of the census is it needs to be completed. It needs to get out the door into the hands of people who can actually get the numbers and do the polling. And is going by. Sorry, my friend, you're a friend of the program, but this is a flip-flop. I mean, he's, he's, he's pulling out, he's saying, oh, you know, 
know, he spent all this time, the tweets, the Republican Party, they're all saying, we got to have this question. It's a way to figure out how many illegal immigrants are here. And now they just say, yep, you know what? We changed our mind. Again, it's one out of hundreds of questions that is being asked in the United States Senate. And the economic numbers are just as important. I mean, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, all these numbers are being they realize this months ago? They did realize this months ago. It's always important to fight, but there's a drop-dead deadline when you have to put the bodies on the ground and actually start asking the questions. These census numbers have to go out at some point. We have to analyze it. We have to aggregate it. We have to put it out. That's why it's called the 2020 census. Last time I did... Last time I did a census, I was at Penn State University, Kidd College. Ten years later, look so where we how are. old are you now, Kevin? <laughs> hey, Brown, come in here. I mean, look, you're going to claim victory. The Demo- You're going to say, see that? We told you so. Go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, I, I agree with everything that Sarah just said and, and would add that there's a, there's a Shocking. legal— It's only segment there, one. <laughs> there's a legal requirement here, and they and they have a deadline. And, and either you, you, you meet the deadline or you don't. And, you know, the, the fact that the court— looked at the the totality of the record and they found the just overt political pretext for why they wanted to add this question. I think I think the administration's lawyers, I suspect they rightly surmised, just wasn't going to be a winnable fight for them, given to Sarah's point, the extraordinary complexity. I mean, if you think about when we start planning for the census, you know, a twenty twenty census is years in the making. And so not surprisingly, this administration is already behind the eight ball. But no, I think this was an unwinnable. This was an unwinnable one for them. So the business community hated this because you know big business, small business, medium sized business, no business like this. Why? Because they said that it would skew the economic data of folks not participating in this. And a lot of Tessari's, you know, point here, which I'm not sure why she didn't make it a couple of months ago when we talked about this. You didn't have me on the show a couple of months ago. I could have made it then. I'm being rude. I'm being a bad host. But uh, but the business community was really out in full force and they said that this that businesses who do this, they really do rely on the census for data. You wanna know that the that the the chief scientist at the Census Bureau. You want to know how many how many people do you think would not fill out the census according to the chief scientist at the U.S. Census Bureau? I mean, it if, has to be if this question was on there. I mean, it has to be a fairly high number. I would what say like think? at least above fifty one percent. Two million people. Yeah. Two million yeah. people representing about six – two million households. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Two million households representing about 6.5 million people would fail to respond to the census questionnaire if this question was on there. Wow. Big breaking news. Again, if you're just joining us, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Sari Kim's here, friend of the program, Republican strategist. She previously worked in the, Obama, uh, uh, in the Trump White House. <laughs> As well as for Daryl Issa back uh, in the House of Representatives when he was chairman uh, of the Oversight Committee. And Dave Brown is here, previously working for Senator Patty Murray. Before the show, they were saying that they used to go back and forth. You know, he's on one side of the aisle. She's on the other. They're battling in the halls of Congress. Now he's a Democratic strategist. The breaking news tonight, the Trump administration and abandoning its hard-fought plan to add a citizenship question. 20 census after the Supreme Court rejected and questioned, rather, questioned its justification. Coming up, we're going to have much more on the policy fallout of all of this, plus the immigration debate. This was an immigration issue for President Trump, and the 2020 field is 
truthfully out in full force against the president's immigration policies. I'll bring you the latest numbers on the 2020 polls. It's good news for Senator Kamala Harris, really good news for Senator Kamala Harris, the Democrat from California, after that breakout performance at the first debate last week. Joe Sestak's calling him. Remember him, the former PA congressman, the admiral Joe Sestak didn't make it on the debate stage, but he says he's running for president anyway, and he wants to get on that second debate stage. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Radio.com. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. He started and created a crisis executive action. I will end it with executive action, doing things that reflect our values. Right now, as we see, there are expecting mothers, uh, nursing moms, elderly folks, vulnerable populations being held in detention unnecessarily, doing permanent damage to children. Senator Cory Booker, Democrat from New Jersey, Democratic presidential candidate talking earlier uh, about his immigration plan. All the Democrats coming out with various immigration proposals, virtually all of them saying that one of the things that they would do to reverse course uh, on these child detention centers is, is to use executive orders or EOs, as they're called. The immigration issue has captured the attention the nightmares, really, of both Republicans and Democrats, uh, especially as we're just, you know, about to celebrate the 4th of July. It's also upended the Democrat presidential primary field. We're going to dive into that with an all-star panel. Sari Kim is a Republican strategist. Dave Brown is a Democratic strategist. And I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio, Sari, why can't they just handle, why can't the White House, you've worked there, why can't they just handle the issue of these childhood, of these child detention facilities? I mean, Senator Cory Booker, as well as the Democratic Party, seems to not understand American history. Ever since Ellis Island, there has always been a detention center. People are held for various issues, and particularly the Democratic Party fails to remember that as shortly as four years ago, President Obama was putting families from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador in detention centers in Texas and Pennsylvania, and there was a mandatory that all 35,000 beds be filled with illegal immigrants. President Trump and his administration has never, ever done that. So the Democratic Party has a selective morality that when President Trump wants to go after immigration, they go after him and they see he is immoral and un-American. Yet when President Obama has mandatory minimums, the Democratic Party praises President Obama. All right, so Sarah, now I really do disagree with you. I mean, look, the, the reality is President Obama never tore kids away from their parents. And you and I both know that that's exactly what your, your former administration's policy was. Jeff Sessions came out and said, we are going to intentionally separate children from their parents because we want this to be a deterrent. And so the fact that we now have these camps, and call them whatever you want, but these squalid conditions where children are still separated, babies are still separated from their moms and dads, and the government doesn't even know how to reunite them with their parents because it's such a cluster down at the border, pardon my language, that is un-American by any standard, certainly the America that I know. That defies morality, and it is it is an absolute disgrace for anyone who defends right, how do we, this how policy. How do we fix this? Because I'm not going to do the whole cable well, here, news. I've got, I've sure. got wait, 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 let me ask my question. How do we fix this? Because this rhetoric, this, this heightened rhetoric, is not going to solve the, the terrible conditions. 
in these in these detention facilities. I don't think AOC usage of the word concentration camps contributes to a compromise, and I wouldn't call them concentration camps. You said call them what they want. I would not call them concentration camps. Well, that's camps. your prerogative, my friend. Would that you call them that? I would call them un-American and immoral. Would you call them concentration camps? I would call them internment camps. That's what they are right now. They aren't internment camps. Well, yeah, see, we're doing it. We're taking the bait. And no, so there are three solutions. First yeah. and foremost, you have to reform IRA-IRA. The last time the United States Congress actually did anything comprehensive about immigration, Ronald Reagan was in office and we were all in elementary school. I think it's time for the United States Congress to seriously address uh, you know, the issues that are in front of them. Two, we have to ensure that America, Honduras, El Salvador, and these type of countries that are at the southern border of Mexico have economies that can can, uh, sustain themselves. But wait, he ran on the notion that he was going to be able to, if as a Mister Fix It, I don't understand. If if you're at home, if you're watching this on the news every night, you're getting home from work, you're in your car, you see these images of a father and a and a child. And their and their corpse. I don't understand why Nancy Pelosi and President Trump can't get on the phone and say, you know what? Here's the money. Fix this situation with these child camps. I, I don't I'll take, understand. I'll take, a, I'll take a shot of that. And by the way, I think Kevin's enjoying this devil's advocate back and forth here. Um, <laughs> He's so animated he right is, now. <laughs> he is. So I, no, it's I, been up and it's so, Kevin, hang these on, are hang kids. On. So I, I now agree with Sarah yet again uh, on the point about foreign aid to, to key countries. We're not going to ever solve long term. The immigration issue, unless we stabilize countries in the region. But to answer your question, 2013 serves as a path. In 2013, a bipartisan Senate, and Sari and I were both serving staff then, a bipartisan Senate passed a comprehensive immigration bill. The reason that bill failed is because then Speaker Boehner wasn't able to marshal enough conservative Republicans. But there is a path, a proven path. So I have to solve for dreamers, and I think you have to solve for, I agree with reforming the Immigration Act, and you have to also address the asylum question, which is a major, major question. But let me just, uh, let me make one more point. I would pull up numbers on how much Donald Trump is spending, his campaign is spending on Facebook and Google just in June alone. Guess what the number one issue for them is? Well, one of the number one issues. Immigration, they're dropping 300K on digital spend. This is an issue they think they can win on, so you're not going to see a political compromise until 2020. But this is something, but this is, look, immigration, the parties are worlds apart. But on the issue of these child detention facilities, there there is agreement that the conditions need to improve. So what I truthfully do not understand as a journalist, no matter what party I am interviewing, is why they can't. Get a quick fix. They've done it in rapid response. They've done it for hurricane relief. They've done it for any time there's a natural disaster. Puerto Rico. To, for, 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 they've done it. The government has done it in the past. There is a way to do it. And what I don't understand, Sari, truthfully, and I, I don't want to go down comprehensive immigration, why can't there be a short-term fix immediately? Because government doesn't work immediately except to cut a check. You Not can't cut a That's check for $4.8 billion and hire 15,000 more immigration officials to work at the border to both take care of the illegal immigrants crossing over the border and 2,000 more people to build another 2,000 miles worth of wall. It doesn't happen but in Sarah, a day. In all, in all, it's a in, policy respect, that has been broken since IRA IRA. But and, then why and the implement Democratic, the policy to separate kids? Why, knowing what you, you just said, because I think you're right. You why on earth would you ever implement that policy? 
you have a selective morality in the Democratic Party that chooses to heighten and elevate the status right. of illegal migrant children as opposed to it's legal children a, here in the United States. Right, 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 asylum right, seekers. Right, they're not right, illegal. They're asylum listen, seekers. Listen, 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 under the law clearly, you cited, under right, the law you cited, right, they have a legal right to apply for right, asylum. It, they do not. Yes, issue, they do, actually. It's an issue that we're going to keep talking about. It's an issue that, that's so heightened. And again, the breaking news tonight that the Trump administration abandoning a hard-fought plan to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census after the U.S. Supreme Court questioned its justification. It's a reversal for the administration. It's uh, just a data point of this immigration's immigration policy. Coming up, we're going to hear from Joe Sestak. He's running for president. He's running for president. Admiral Joe, former Pennsylvania congressman, actually a former Delco, where I'm from, congressman. He's going to call in and check in. Sari Kim stays. Dave Brown stays. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Joining us on the line, Democratic presidential candidate. Joe Sestak, the Admiral. The Admiral's on the line. My former congressman, actually, from my neck of the woods, Delco, Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Congressman, candidate, Sestak, appreciate you coming on. All right, how are you going to get on the debate stage at this in Detroit? Well, first of all, Kevin, thanks for having me aboard, and uh, thanks for being another fellow Delco boy. Yeah, uh, I try. I try. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our strategy is not necessarily to be on in July. You know, I arrived out here Saturday night, and uh, I couldn't get into this race earlier because, as you may well know, uh, my daughter's brain cancer had come back. Uh, that's why I got into politics initially back in 2005 and, and six because I, I took care of her and got out of the military and came back to Delco, and you probably heard me say, I'm running on national security. I'm a Navy admiral, but national security begins at home and health security. This is different. I didn't get in because of that. So we're aiming towards at least by September, and that we think is good because there's a lot of hands to shake out here, and sometimes there are distant places uh, as you go through the cornfields, and, but you hit the major cities and the great people. But there's a lot to do besides just get on that debate stage because you already see some of them are dropping out or potentially. So that's what kind of our initial uh, market you asked me about. And then in terms of national security, just over the weekend, there were so many developments geopolitically. Let's start with North Korea. Uh, how would how would a president Sestak uh, deal with the, the threat of a nuclear North Korea? 
well, if how would I have set, done it two years ago when this president came in is a little different than I have to today. <laughs> uh, I think there's engagement with North Korea is a positive thing. How he went about it is not a very good thing. You do not go into negotiation, whether it's with President Xi of China or with this despot who actually uses wild dogs to chew up prisoners in prison uh, into it without a strategy and without something to accomplish. They should not have nuclear weapons. However, they have put us in such a position there are now about 40 or so warheads that he has that trying to get them gone is not going to be happening by saying I'm getting love notes from the North Korean leader. So what we have to do is bring together, quite frankly, Japan, Korea, Russia, and China, and make sure that there's de- there is actually a stalemate right now. And we have to bring together them to say, this ain't safe for you and it isn't safe for us. There's no other way to go about it except to try to at least get no more building of nuclear weapons. That's about the best we can do for the position he's put us in. But let's go to the other side of the world, Iran. My gosh, it's unforgivable that America has broken its word. Deal with Iran that they kept theirs. America's greatest power is its power to convene, to bring the nations and people to the world for a common cause. And that's what we did. We disarmed Iran of its nuclear weapon capability, which we haven't done with North Korea. But we did with them, and we did it not by war. We did by economic sanctions, even with Russia and China, and brought them to the table and removed it from there. You know, now I, we're on the cusp of war. And so Joe, this is not the way to go about convening the world for our betterment. Joe Sessak's on the line. He's running for president. He is a previous Pennsylvania congressman uh, in the Democratic Party, also a formal, uh, former Navy admiral, uh, having served in the Navy. I got to ask you, when I'm interviewing you, it's like it's night and day from your Tulsi Gabbard. What do you think about the contrast of Tulsi Gabbard and, and really the the the. The, the foreign policy vision that you're espousing uh, and the contrast from someone like a Tulsi Gabbard? Well, I, I, I know Tulsi just because I met her once on a street after I was out of Congress, and I liked her. And I haven't really followed her as closely as I might. The difference is for me, I think, with anyone that's on the stage, is not that should I serve. It's the depth and breadth of what I've done. Serving President Clinton as Director of Defense Policy, leading an aircraft carrier battle group into war, where we convened the world. The Chinese, the Japanese were waiting for us to become part of our international model. See, from all over the world were there. And I learned that lesson well when the Italian Minister of Defense said, I think that we Italians are better lovers than warriors. But <laughs> America has been attacked for Afghanistan, and we will be there. And so, I'm half Italian, well, those attacks are great. Those, so our retreat from the world, telling our bruised allies left behind, it's a wrap. When you want to deal with climate change, think about this. Saudi Arabia will use as much energy to power its air conditioning in one decade from now as it exports in oil today. Not one, excuse me, only two of 196 nations in the Climate Change Convention have met their commitment, even if we were to pass. The Green New Deal be accomplished in a 10 years won't matter. It's all of the world doing it, or else that catastrophic threat will explode on us. So that's one of the major reasons I'm running. There's one other one, but that's one of the major reasons I'm running. I hear you. I hear you. What about free college for all? You for free college for all? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Are you for a free college for all? Are you for Medicare for all? Where, where are you on, the, on those issues? Well, let's walk through the issues then, okay? I'll tell you what I'm for. 
I'm for decreasing the loan rate. So, for example, the U.S., they, we are going to, the federal government's going to make $127 billion this decade off of student loans because they have it based on 10-year Treasury bond and make yeah. a profit. Reduce that and save a lot of money. Second, at least 40% almost, excuse me, I apologize, yeah, 40% of all students change colleges during their time in college. And yet only 50%, half of their college uh, courses that they tried to transfer to other colleges they will not be accepted because it's a business. Change those things as you really focus on what the working American also needs. I am for, as you'll see on my website, what we had in the military, training for a lifetime. Think about it. We spend less in the United States of America on labor training than any developed nation, yeah. 0.001% of gross domestic product. Look, in the military, when the F-16 goes away, we, like in the Air Force, we do not kick a person out of a job right. like we do when a guy loses his job as a coal miner. And so what we do is we say, you're going to go to the largest community in the nation, the United States Air Force Community College. Learn a new, reacquire a new skill, and now you're doing the F-22. In America, we just kick them out. What we have to do is have a new commitment in this nation, public and private, that actually is on my website, the 200 billions have get moved down this road, and in my book, to restore the American dream. And so what we need to do for the blue-collar worker who has to use brains and hands is we need to make sure when they're laid off in this rapidly changing world, they are ready with, with, uh, to be able to get a new I hear you. Why? Because one-third of all small businesses say that they don't have the skilled workforce to do it. That's where my major focus is as I work on those two other ones to reduce college all right, and we got, we, got like a, we got like 90 right. seconds left, so I, so I apologize. So, okay, when my daughter's brain cancer came back, oh, sorry, can I No, go ahead. I'm not going to cut you off on that point. Go ahead. Okay, I'm just saying there's 255 million Americans who have some form of private health care. I know. I'm for a public option. I voted for it when I was Congress until the Senate didn't remove it because they didn't have the guts to stand up to the pharmaceutical industries and, and, and health insurance. But... It's a transition of choice, and it'll prove itself like the VA. On If you get in the VA, single payer, it's great, but I don't want like to have somebody like would have happened to me that even though I'm a, even though it's military, it's based on a private health care plan, we, we didn't want to have our health care ripped out in two or four years. You make a transition of choice towards it, yeah. and then you, it proves itself as you go down the road. You know what, Joe? I What's one more? I, I say get on the stage just because, you know, I, I like what what's one more? So, I mean, I know you're saying it doesn't matter if you're on in Detroit next month, but, uh, you know, best of luck to you out in Iowa. I mean, keep us up to speed. I, uh, you know? I, I appreciate it. Love to be back. But I have to leave you one last thing. The last the most important thing I'm running on is accountability above mm-hmm. par- uh, to people, above party, above self and above any special interest. Represented two to one Republican district and get reelected without a, spending a dime on a campaign ad. So that if we do not reunite Americans again, we can't meet the defining challenge of our time. Thanks for having me aboard. All right, Joe Sestak, everybody, former Pennsylvania congressman. He's running for president, uh, hitting the campaign trail. Coming up, panel reacts. Dave Brown, Sari Kim. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. The public is welcome to come 
and celebrate our great country, the greatest democracy, uh, the Constitution, all the amendments, not just the First Amendment that seems to only interest you only, the Second Amendment, all the others, but really just the birth of this country, the greatest democracy that ever lived. I'm not going to allow you to politicize it. That was Kellyanne Conway speaking earlier today at the White House about the 4th of July parade. We're just a couple of days away from it. Big 4th of July. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, broadcasting live from the nation's capital inside our Bloomberg, Washington, D.C. Sherry Kim's here. She previously served in the Trump administration. She's a Republican strategist. She also previously served for Daryl Issa on oversight back when he was chairman of the oversight committee. And is a is a uh, a food and wine blogger traveler right in your in 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 your free time right? Yes, I used to be a full time food and travel writer for uh, Time Inc. I wrote for Travel and Leisure, uh, Food and Wine Magazine, and fifteen other outlets. Also did ABC, NBC, CBS. Okay, Fox. quick summer getaway. First trip that pops into mind. Where should folks go? Well, I just came back from Tbilisi, Georgia, with uh, the Sheraton, and it was really fantastic. It is the new Croatia, and I highly recommend everybody. Georgia, to go. like oh, I thought, I thought you meant I thought you meant Georgia. Georgia, like down south. I am not sure as a Republican right. I can talk about the state of Georgia right All right. Now. <laughs> All right. All right. Fair point. Fair point. All right. Dave Brown's here. He's a Democrat strategist. Uh, he previously served with uh, Senator Murray. Patty Murray. Where'd you grow up, Dave? Uh, Seattle. Uh, so what'd you think of Jay Inslee? He's a good governor. He's a very good governor. And I think he's, he's got a really important message on the environment. Uh, Would so he make I- a good president? Yeah, I mean, if you look you think at he's his, got a shot. If, well, I don't know if he has a shot. It's a crowded field. I'm, I'm, I'm not dumb enough to <laughs> pick a winner at this point. But if you look at his tenure in Congress and you look at his tenure as a governor, he's been, he's been really effective. What do you guys think of Joe Sestak? He's running for. I mean, does he have a shot? Do any of these lower tier candidates have a shot at all? Will Joe, they get, go ahead. Joe Sestak has no chance of becoming president of the United States, and he will also not be Secretary of State. And I think for two, one, he can't raise the money, and two, his ideas aren't presented in such a way that people. Believe any of it. But see, this is interesting because folks said the same thing about Donald Trump. And so I think now you've got like 20 plus candidates running for president. This new CNN poll. Did you, did you see this poll? The CNN poll? It, it shows the top tier right now. And Senator Kamala Harris, it came out today, Senator Kamala Harris skyrocketed. I mean, absolutely up nine percentage points since May. She's got 17 percent of Democratic presidential voters. This poll was conducted between June 28th and June 30th. So I want to check the calendar real quick. June 28th was a Friday. So this is after the the, the debate. Joe Biden's up. Joe Biden's got 22 percent. Kamala Harris is at 17 percent. Joe Biden went down 10 points. Kamala Harris went up nine points. Guess who's number three? Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren's got 15 percent. She's trending up. She's up eight points. Bernie Sanders is at 14. So Biden, Harris, Warren and Sanders. All above 14%. Buttigieg and Booker and O'Rourke and Klobuchar all trending below 5%. The rest don't even barely register. All right. So I look at this, Dave, and I add Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders' support together and become the top spot. And clearly they're jockeying for the same vote. Yeah, I think that's spot on, Kevin. They are, and and frankly, Sam worried because you're seeing an erosion of his support and you're seeing Senator Warren uh, very uh, consistently rise over over a number of polls. I was looking at the Quinnipiac poll, if I said that right, uh, that came out today. You did. And those numbers are, are darn close to what you just quoted from CNN. And, and Senator Warren has undeniable momentum. And I think that you compound that with the fact that Sanders has posted fundraising numbers that are that are 
by his standards, probably should be fairly disappointing, um, especially in contrast to, say, somebody like Pete Buttigieg, who just had a, a knockout quarter. So, yeah, I think Bernie Sanders has, has quite a bit to worry about. Buttigieg got $24.8 million in the first quarter. Bombshell, bombshell record-breaking b- b- report from the second quarter, according to the FEC. FEC, I got that right, right? Yeah. Quinnipiac FEC um, <laughs> uh, numbers, and uh, Sanders got $18 million. The Sanders folks will tell you, well, he's getting small-dollar donations. Of course, he's, he's not pal- cal- tailing around with the big banks. He's bashing the big banks. Biden uh, reportedly says he's going to get $20 million. We don't really have much other reporting uh, from the filings yet. But, I mean, shocker, Trump out-trumped everybody. I mean, the RNC did like what, like 20 20- $105 million for 100? President Trump, and at the same time, when you parallel it with President Obama, he, President Obama only got $48 million. But I think it's really interesting to it's note Democratic <laughs> – it's really interesting to note in the Democratic debate and in those polling numbers that Kamala Harris is winning because of a personality moment. People were compelled by it. And I've repeatedly said that when you have a personality, you cannot beat Donald Trump. And the reason why Elizabeth Warren is so f- fascinating is the only way you beat President Trump is policy. She has so many policies. She literally is known as the policy person. And she made that calculation. And she made that calculation early because people told her, your personality cannot win. It's a vision. She's running on a vision. She's she's running on a vision of America. A platform. She's not running on, I mean, like Trump, let's not, let's not sugarcoat it, but she's running on a, she's running on a debate. And quite frankly, the professor, Warren, wants to have that debate. She doesn't want to get in a personality contest. That's right. Yeah, she can win on that debate. And I think what makes her particularly effective as a communicator She's, she's talking about policy not in a dry way, but she's, she's rooting it in her values and in her experience growing up. Oklahoma. And that is a really compelling narrative, and it yeah, resonates I've, with people. So I think, I, I think Sarah's right that she's, she's one I'm watching because she's, she's marrying a grassroots network, small-dollar donations. Mm-hmm. She's skewed big corporate PAC dollars, mm-hmm. and she's still breaking through. I don't know what happened over the last couple of years to both of your points. I, mean, I, I covered her since her, literally when I was a cub reporter chasing her in Darkson Hall mm. on the Senate banking that the Senate ba- like I, it, you had uh, Johnson Johnson Crapo remember that yeah, yes. totally. I, I covered all of that and Corker Warner remember that the yes. GSE reform bill but, but Senator Elizabeth Warren arrived into Dirksen mm-hmm. with all of the pomp and circumstance and celebrity mm-hmm. the political celebrity after having defeated Scott Brown and this remarkable, remarkable political fight that captured the attention back, what was it, 2012, really? 2014. Yeah. 20, and if I can- yeah. And she pushed back on being a political celebrity. And I wasn't really sure at that time if she enjoyed being a political celebrity. Mm. She enjoys having policy debates, and that's how she's running the campaign. And when I ran into her in the spin room, literally ran in, they were shoving me. Um, (laughs) I I was like, yes, she's running as herself. Mm -hmm. You've got like less than a minute. She is a true believer. She has the mantle that Bernie had in the last election. She has the mantle that Ron Paul used to have Mm. in the previous election. She is in the true believer vertical, and the moment has come to her. And I think that we, as the Republican Party, would love... Love Senator Warren to talk about all of her policies, which I <laughs> fundamentally disagree with. Please, Democratic Party, well, pick her as well, the nominee. You know, you know we, if, if we do, we're going to win because her policy ideas are polling so well with all the American right, people. Right. She's going to win. Oh, you she's going to win. Oh, you no. too, my lord. I want to thank you both. You made my job hard today. Yeah, but it was fun. We appreciate we the time. Thanks, Dave Kevin. Brown, Democratic strategist. Sari Kim, everybody, Republican strategist, travel blogger. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Thank 
Thanks for listening. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes, Bloomberg.com, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.